Today is the 20th of February, 2021. It's close to Magha Puja Day, which is the 15th day of the third lunar month. And uh, it's this important day in uh, Buddhism because on this day, the Buddha laid down the fundamentals of the Dhamma. Uh, that which all of the 84,000 teachings of the Buddha comes into, they can all be summarized uh, by these three aspects, or these three pointers, um, the first of which is to abandon all papa, or evil or wrongdoing, and then to bring skillfulness to completion, and the third to make the mind bright and pure. So on this day of Magapuja, uh, there were monks who gathered together, and all of them were arahants. They all had hearts that were pure already. And the Buddha saw that this was a very good opportunity to teach and to lay down uh, this, the uh, fundamentals of these teachings um, in a way that was very easy to understand. So the abandoning of wrongdoing, the giving rise to skillfulness, making the mind bright and pure. So if we look into our everyday lives, we can ask ourselves what things in our lives are skillful and what is wrongdoing. And uh, we go about developing our minds so that they reach a state of purity because we all wish for the mind to be in a bright, joyful state. And uh, do we wish for Nibbāna? We see that this Nibbāna is the highest happiness, that which doesn't have any form of stress or discontent mixed within it. Even the happiness of heaven, the happiness of the Brahma realms, it can't compare with Nibbāna. Nibbāna is the supreme happiness. So when we hear this, when we know about this, that Nibbāna is, uh, is very happy, it's this highest happiness, it's a very subtle, refined happiness, um, then we understand that all the different levels of heaven, they can't compete with that. Even the celestial joys uh, that are experienced in all the different levels of the heaven, um, they can't compare with the samadhi of a Brahma god. Um, the happiness that the Brahmas experience is much more full, much greater than in the than the devas. But whether it's a deva or a Brahma, when their merit runs out, then they have to die from that state. If they have um, some merit left, then they can get reborn as a human. And But if their papa, if there's a wrongdoing that they've created is greater, then they will fall to an even lower state. So this shows us that these things are not sure. Um, the Brahmas, they they will actually have enough energy of uh, samadhi so that when they pass away, they will get born as humans. But for devas, it's not sure where they'll go. 
um, other than the devas that have created a lot of merits, that have raised up their barami to a very high level already. Uh, for them, they just oscillate between the human realm and the heaven realms and go back and forth between these two until their minds reach purity and they're able to uh, enter into Nibbāna. So this Nibbāna, it has immense value. There's a happiness with no suffering mixed into it at all. And uh, if we look at it in an easy way, we see that when the mind is in the human realm, we may have a lot of wealth or just a little bit of wealth. Uh, But no matter how much we have, we all have suffering. If uh, people praise us, uh, then we feel happy. If they criticize us, if they shout at us, then there are other kinds of feelings that arise. But all of these arise and cease. So if we experience one of the eight worldly winds that gives us ease that we like, such as gain, uh, praise, status, and pleasure, um, then the heart kind of enjoys that. But other times we get things that we don't like. We, uh, we meet with loss and loss of status, with censure, with criticism, or sorry, with uh, suffering. Uh, but for those whose minds are well trained, whose minds are pure already, they'll ex- understand that when they meet with all of these things, it's just nature and their hearts won't suffer along with it. So this shows that the mind has already entered into Nibbana at this level. And people who have a lot of wealth, they usually attach to that wealth and they're concerned about it. And people who have a lot of land before they die, they have concern about that land. So this is dangerous. There was a, a monk who was attached to the robes that he was wearing, and he had this concern, he had attachment, uh, clinging towards it. And when he passed away, he got reborn as a gnat within the robe. So wherever we're attached, whatever we have concern about, that's where we'll get born. If we have um, a lot of attachment towards a house, we may get reborn as a gecko in that house. If we have attachment to our wealth, we may get born uh, around the place where that wealth is. So this is really dangerous. And this money, it can't take us to heaven unless we are intelligent. And because for those people who do have intelligence, then they'll use their wealth to build up goodness. And then the mind before death is in a very happy state, and so it can go to heaven. And it shows that these people have wisdom. So we need, therefore, to train our minds. Um, because the things which bring up suffering um, are present, and the, the most basic of that, or the first thing which uh, brings up suffering, is this papa, is evil or wrongdoing. And if that papa is still there within us, then we won't be able to understand the Dhamma. It's not that we can just suddenly let go and realize truth uh, because of the presence of that papa. 
And so the Buddha was very intelligent in the way that he taught. And he knew that um, all people, that when they get wealth, they become worried and concerned about it. So he taught to sacrifice, to be generous, to help out society. For the Buddha himself, uh, he cultivated this dana parami to the highest level, and to the point where if anyone asked him for anything, then he would give it. And that's how he trained himself in the life prior to his final life. And the reason that he gave all that away was for the sake of uh, bodhinyana, for this awakened knowledge. And uh, so he trained and uh, completed these paramis in that way. But for those of us who are after the plane of the savakas, of the awakened disciples of the Buddha, then when we give, we do so in line with our means. And we do so in order to abandon our selfishness. And then when we sacrifice, we won't want to get other people's wealth as our own either. So through doing this, we are abandoning evil. And then we give rise to skillfulness, to merit. So this is through our generosity, through our sila, our virtue, and we take these two qualities as the foundations of our hearts. So for lay people, you can take the five precepts or the eight precepts. For the monks, it's 227. For novices, it's 10. We train ourselves to abandon unskillful actions through our body and speech uh, by taking up these precepts. Um, we give away, we sacrifice, we don't uh, get um, drunk, and we don't uh, do unskillful things. We're very cautious over our body and our speech. And through this, we develop peace through our body and speech. Any harm or actions which will lead to harm that try to arise or try to find an outlet through our bodies and speech, we can suppress that. We need to train ourselves in that. And sometimes we get really irritated or annoyed, and we may want to shout at someone, but we must endure. Even if we're very angry, we have to forbear with that. And uh, when I went to ordain at Wat Nambapong, uh, Initially, I was an anagarika or a pakao. Um, and there was a novice who was there, uh, this young novice. And he tried to kind of use me in different ways, uh, ordered me to put away the spittoons. And, um, but I just did what he told me. And this novice, he uh, probably had a lot of pressure within him that he had built up uh, because all of the monks uh, would order him around. And so he had all this pressure within him. And then when I came, I was junior to him. Uh, so uh, he kind of let this out on me. Even though there were great kind of emotions that came up within my mind, there could be quite strong anger. Um, I still had this devotion uh, towards Nibbāna. So I saw that I had to train myself uh, to go against these feelings. And sometimes delusion really comes up strong as well. And then anger comes up on top of that. 
and we feel like we aren't able to suppress our speech. And if those feelings come out through our words, then that shows that our sila is lacking. So we need to endure. We need to really bring up this uh, quality of patient endurance. And uh, for the Anagarikas, for the more junior members of the community, you really have to endure with um, many different emotions. Uh, because they have the faith, the faith and the sincerity to come here to practice. And uh, But when coming, also need to train our minds as well. And so this practice of abandoning um, unskillfulness or abandoning wrongdoing through our body and speech, maintaining sila, this is very important. And sometimes samadhi just isn't there. So we really have to put up a fight at those times with all of the different emotions that we feel. Now maybe anger comes up really strong, but we must be mindful, mindful of all the feelings that are present within the hearts. When anger comes up, or love, or hate, or fear, um, these things arise due to a sense of self. So the Buddha taught uh, the fundamentals of the practice of abandoning wrongdoing, giving rise to skillfulness. And we take these as our ideology, as our highest aspiration. And, uh, and in taking that path, we need to train the mind in forbearance. And so with everything in the practice, we need to endure. If we sit meditation, we have to endure. We sit for two hours or three hours. Sometimes the mind may be peaceful, and sometimes not, but we have to endure. Even if we're sitting there and the mind's thinking at times, that's okay. It may be chanting at other times, but no matter what, we endure. And why is that? Because we have Nibbāna as our highest aspiration. And if we don't endure, we'll never get to see the truth. We'll never get to know the Dhamma. We'll never reach Nibbāna. So we don't harm any being. We don't kill any animals. We don't cause any distress. And the reason is because we wish for peace. We don't uh, speak any words that cause harm. And we endure. And maybe there's quite a lot of anger there within our hearts. Um, but at the same time, we have this ideal there in our hearts um, that we are summoners. We are those who um, wish for peace and are imbued with peace. So the fundamentals of the practice, this way of practice, and our ideology, our ideals, um, they are linked together. So this way of practice is that of abandoning um, wrongdoing, of giving rise to skillfulness, of making the mind pure. And the ideal that we hold is to bring about internal peace. So in the beginning we do this uh, through our sila. We don't harm ourselves, we don't harm others. 
And when we have this ideal, this highest aspiration of Nibbāna, then all the things we do are for Nibbāna. And uh, that whole path, it falls within abandoning um, harm, abandoning evil, giving rise to skillfulness, making the mind pure. And this purity of mind itself is Nibbāna. And we do this because we have this ideal, this wish to get to Nibbāna. So we need, therefore, to really be focused, to use all the energy of our bodies and our minds to endure with everything. Sometimes there are many, many emotions that come up in our hearts, um, but we must endure with this, we must carry on, because we have this aspiration to see the Dhamma. For those who have come to ordain, uh, whether they are ties or whether they've come from overseas, it's really not easy to stay in the robes for five years or ten years. It's no small matter. We have this ideal within us, um, this aspiration, the highest aspiration. And when it's like this, when we have this, then we really need to be focused on this practice, focused on meditation. Um, all forms of skillful things, we need to try to put them into action, to do them. And really, this path of practice is easy. We listen to the teachings, and then we follow those teachings. We make our minds sturdy, unshakable like the earth. We bring them to stillness. We train them to be strong. Sometimes we get peaceful, sometimes the mind's all stirred up. But we don't give up, we don't become disheartened. And sometimes we may listen to a Dharma talk and we don't understand what's being said. Maybe we don't understand Thai yet. But we don't worry about that either. Really when um, we don't understand the meaning, we can just follow our breath, watch the breath as it comes in and goes out, and make the mind at ease. And all throughout the day, we recite these words of Buddha, Dhamma, Songo, without stop, never throwing away our mindfulness. We do this every single day. And by doing this, uh, we give rise to immense value in our lives. So may all of you be really sincere in this, bringing your minds to peace so that you're able to contemplate the body in a way that you can understand it clearly, seeing that this body is a collection of elements, that it's just filled with things like blood and bones. And all of these things, they come from cells, and the cells in turn come from elements. And these arise or arrive within our bodies uh, from the food that we eat. So we eat this food, and then the body digests it, and then absorbs it into the body. And uh, so we can contemplate and think about the body in this way, that it's composed of all these different parts, which... Um, arise from the food that we eat. And this food within it, it has things like calcium, uh, sodium, uh, phosphorus. And uh, that's all there within the food. Um, and then the body is able to digest it and take it in. And this is looking at it in quite a refined way. But if we look at food in a coarse way, we just see rice or flour, for instance. And if the body doesn't or isn't able to digest these things, then it just 
fills up the body. But because we can digest it, because we can burn uh, this food, it turns into something more refined that the body is able to absorb and take in. And then the blood takes these uh, different elements and minerals around to the various cells in the body. But it's easy for us to forget this, um, to see the body as being something beautiful and to see it as being something substantial. Uh, But really, it just comes from the food that we eat. It arises from nature. So we need to understand, or we need to contemplate, so that we gain a clear understanding of this, and so that our mind doesn't get deluded in this body. So when we have internal peace, then we will gain an understanding of this, that it's just something that follows nature. And through doing this, we see the Dhamma, We see Nibbāna, and uh, we experience really profound happiness. And sometimes we may be happy, but in a way that lacks wisdom. And because there's still delusion in the heart, then it must fall from this state, because of the attachments that we have. But when the mind loses those attachments, when it drops them, then the happiness that we experience grows and grows. When we can drop some of those attachments that we have, then peace arises in the heart. And this is the path to purity. So because we have this ideal, we must endure. We're after Nibbāna, so we must forbear. If people speak in ways that we don't like, then we don't respond. We don't kind of shout back at them. We don't uh, respond in a way that causes any harm. And uh, when we do this, then, and we carry on practicing like this, we carry on enduring in this way every single day, then we'll have to meet with internal peace. We'll have to meet with purity. We'll have to see and know the Dhamma. So may you all set your hearts on this.